0: Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment.
1: Well, right now we're going to talk to a gentleman that was explaining showering habits over in the country of Africa. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning oh, my goodness. How are you, my Great. friend?
0: Sunshine out there. It's, it's looking nice. You know, a
1: couple of weeks ago, we were really hit with some cold temperatures. Oh, yeah.
0: I drove out here on slick, snow-covered roads.
1: I remember that. And yeah. we were really concerned about an early fall and not having any Indian summer. Oh, my goodness sakes. It's nice. I mean, with 55 to 60 degree weather, and we're looking at over 60 today and maybe through the weekend.
0: I love it. I do, too. I do. What's going on in your historical world? Today... You know, when you think about lost mines, for example, the lost Dutchman mine, yep, that comes to mind for every and almost every time you hear about the curses of these mines that people go looking for them, they end up dead or disappearing or just plain. You never hear from them again. Yeah. So geographically, we're going to talk about the curse of the Lost Creek mine, which is if you go. Look on a map at Vancouver, British Columbia. Not too far to the east of Vancouver is an area called the Pitt River uh, area, which leads into a place called Pitt Lake. Anyway, so geographically, that's where we're at. So, you know, legend has it that only one of Indian blood will ever find the Pitt River gold Okay, you have to, if you're not an Indian, uh, but uh, there was a lot of people that tried and tried to defy the taboo and the danger of going after this gold.
1: Where was it and when was it? I mean, what time of uh, our uh, country was let's it? Let's see. Back in 18 something. Yeah, late 1800s. I see. Somewhere
0: in there. Okay. Um, so I want to picture this. Okay, there's an old man. He's climbing up onto the gallows slowly. His On wh- the gallows. Yeah, yeah. We're going right straight to the gallows. Holy smokes! <laughs> (laughs) Don't say it like that with such an affirmative statement. (laughs) His white hair is kind of messed up by the little light morning breeze. Moments later, the trap was sprung, and so died Peter Slumack. Slumack. Slumack, convicted murderer and key to a supposed $100 million in Gold. Holy smokes, tell me more. I'm going to. Stories told of this fortune include nuggets the size of walnuts, a suspected 12 murderers, one hanging, and 23 known disappearances. The legend has grown so over the years that it is, as usual, difficult to distinguish truth from fiction. Okay, well, so, let's start
1: at the basics. Was there a guy like this? What yeah, was his oh, name yeah.
0: again? It's Peter Slumack. Slumack. So, the, so I'll, I'll tell you the stuff that we know, oh, okay. and then the rest you're just going to have to fill in. Oh, okay. So this is what we know. Peter Slumac was a Salish Indian, and I hope I'm saying that right. I don't Salish, think so. <laughs> Salish Indian discovered a vast horde of incredibly rich ore somewhere in what they call the Pit River country of British Columbia. Now, since then, five others have known the secret and all died in some pretty tragic situations. They knew where the mine was. Yeah. But they all died. And they died. Now, the mine is thought to be about 20 miles north of what they call the Pitt River, which leads into Pitt Lake. And here is some of the roughest country on the continent. High altitudes, sub-zero temperatures, icy crevices, blizzards, glaciers. And these are just a few of the obstacles. Those are the good travel points. That's the good place. (laughs) These are just a few of the obstacles to be encountered. And Pitt Lake is situated between the head of what they call Howe Sound and the north end of Harrison Lake. So again up there near Vancouver, Washington. Okay, I got a question, but I'll save it. Okay, so it's only 45 miles away from Vancouver. Okay, gotcha. So not that far. Yeah. Now, SLUMAC first appeared with his newfound wealth in the town of New Westminster and there followed a spending drinking party uh, to you know just really going at it. And like late- your
1: fraternity house in college.
0: <laughs> I never had one. Oh. <laughs> anyway later he he would show up in town and suddenly uh, uh, he would come back into town his pockets full of gold nuggets all really? Right? Yeah gold nuggets and it says that he would drop his nuggets on the bar as other Almost like somebody else would drop silver coins. He just dropped these gold uh, nuggets on there. How did he know how much they were worth? I don't know. I think the bartender probably helped him on that. Bartenders are good yeah, at that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so his uh, when his immediate supply exhausted, he would melt into the wilds until the next time he appeared once again, pockets full of gold. Oh, my. Now, there was a deadly series of coincidences that seemed to plague Slumac. Oh. Okay? Every time he trekked into the bush, a local woman, usually an Indian woman, would disappear, never to be seen again alive. Okay, The, the plot is going to get thicker.
1: You're making my hair stand up <laughs> on the back of my neck.
0: So, it was Indian custom to take an Indian woman on journeys into the bush to do the domestic chores, you know, and by making promises of unlimited riches, Slumac didn't have any difficulty recruiting, quote, wives, Mm -hmm. and then on the return trip, he was afraid they would reveal the location of his mind, and it's believed that he murdered them to make sure that they were silent. Now, the police suspected that he killed no less than nine, but they couldn't Wouldn't they have a clue to follow this guy, maybe after one or two? You would think. Now, on one of his frequent trips to town, the body of a gal by the name of Susan Jesner, who was an attractive Indian gal, uh, Salish Indian, and she was retrieved from the river. And in her clothing were pieces of raw gold. Now, the police questioned Slumack, and he admitted that Susan had accompanied him on his last trip. He sorrowfully told of how she had, quote, accidentally fallen from their raft and drowned. Oh, yeah. It was an accident.
1: Well, yeah. Any, you know, it is an accident when sure. you've got a 25-pound weight around your neck <laughs> yeah. or something.
0: Well, he hadn't thought it warranted reporting to the police. You know, she had drowned. and okay, He didn't, didn't report think, it? No. So the authorities, they were suspicious, but they couldn't do anything. Okay, there was no proof. Uh. Well, on his last trip to town, another body was taken from the river, and from the back of the body, identified as Molly Tinnon, there was a knife in her back. Now... Popular opinion held that the knife was Slumac's and that he was tried and executed for this murder. Oh, he was executed yeah. for
1: that one. Yeah.
0: But somehow the facts kind of lie buried in history a little bit. Uh, Slumac managed to get out of this uh, embarrassing situation. It was uh, shortly afterward that the law caught up with him for the killing of a French-Canadian by the name of Louis B. So he didn't get hung because of the his wife. He got hung because, of he, because he killed a French-Canadian named Louis B. Now, let me tell you about him. Who's he? Okay, I'm going to tell you. According to files of the Victoria Daily Colonist, um, the, the newspaper, the shooting occurred this way. So B and some Indians were fishing for trout. Near the Pit River on the afternoon of september eighth, eighteen ninety, Slumac kind of came out from the brush and he approached the party of these guys that are just fishing, and B, this Lewis B, he went forward to meet him. And he said, Quote, Who are you gonna kill today? Kind of in a smart aleck. Uh, kind of uh, So he knew Slumac. Yeah, yeah, they knew each other. Well, this didn't sit too good with Slumac and uh, right. so, uh, you know, anyway, so Slumac suspected that B was after more than trout, he claimed, uh-huh. and was B so near the side of the mine that uh, Slumack uh, decided he just pulled out a gun and shot him, killed oh,
1: him. Now, wasn't he with somebody else? Yeah, there was
0: some other Indians. And they stood there? Yeah, but he got arrested on this, and this is why he got hung. Because of killing B. So for a man of Slumac's character, it would have been obvious uh, and instant that uh, this motive would seem to be more plausible. That he was trying to... Thinking that B was getting close to his uh, fine. Let me ask you a question there. There were other witnesses
1: to that murder. Right. But they didn't... Did they run away? They didn't try to arrest him or take him into custody? No,
0: he was arrested.
1: Yeah, but... It's somebody must have turned him in then.
0: Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So his luck had run out. There was no escape. At 8 o'clock on the morning of January sixteenth, 1891, he paid with his life for murdering B. That's when he got hung. Okay. Now, prior to his execution, there were a lot of attempts were made to get out from him where the gold's location was. Well, the doomed man would confide only in his son, who incidentally could hardly wait for the clang of the gallows, so he could rush right out to the precious metal. So uh, (coughs) Slumac's son wasn't exactly real sad to see his dad.
1: No, See, right there the story kind of takes an interesting turn, because we didn't even know that he was really married, per se, and had a family.
0: Right. So, evidently, there were some kids hanging around. So <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So young, hanging slu- around. Hanging around. Young Slumac made a, a few successful trips uh, into the gold. Then he took on a partner. So, he knew where it was. Yeah, he found it. Well, he took on this partner, and this proved to be fatal. The two headed into the bush. Three days later... The uh, the partner returned with all kinds of nuggets. Young Slumac was never seen again. Okay? He's gone. He's dead somewhere. You really
1: are. uh, You're creating a web of secrecy (laughs) here.
0: Now, two Americans heard the tale and decided to follow this partner. Oh, look out. Okay? And they succeeded in doing so. Then they shot him. Wait a minute, I got a fuck. Okay, now Slow we got. Down. Slow
1: okay. down, Turner. Okay, they being the the two part, the two, two Americans, two Americans shot the guy
0: that had killed the slumag slumag.
1: boy. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm okay, with you. are you with All me right. now? Okay.
0: okay. Now uh, a whole bunch of. So they are supposed to have buried his body, uh, an axe, a mining hammer, and a pan of nuggets under the tent uh, rock of where he was staying. Uh-huh. Now it's recorded. In old newspapers that in 1903, an Alaskan prospector named John Jackson emerged from the Pitt River country with $10,000 worth of pure gold. Pure Pure gold. gold. Now. Uh, he also had a partner, but what happened to his partner cannot be figured out. Can't, another partner met his
1: demise. Somewhere. He may, Holy Maybe smoke. he just went home. A I, note of caution to all
0: people that want to form a partnership. Yeah. Ain't going to work. <laughs> okay. So this Jackson guy whose partner somehow disappeared traveled to his home in San Francisco, where he deposited $10,000 of gold in the local branch of the Bank of British North America, and learned that it was to cost him his life. Okay, Now, Now another guy. Now, now this is a little different, though. Okay. Doctors told him he was dying. The ordeal he had suffered had broken him. He had bad health. So he was going downhill really fast. Uh Uh-huh. Now, here again, the legend kind of gets a little fuzzy. It's said that Jackson, with death looking over his shoulder, made two maps. He gave one to a nurse who was with him in his final hours, mm-hmm. and one to a friend named Shotwell in Seattle. Now, with Shotwell's went a letter of instructions, according to the Indians, neither he nor the, uh, the nurse nor Shotwell attempted to find the gold. But they sold their maps each of them for five hundred dollars a piece to some other people. Really? Okay. Now, so there was a landslide reaction that followed prospectors. Supposedly, you know how they always think they have the inside track oh, as yeah. to how to find the gold. They packed in that whole area trying to find this this gold. Well, uh, this precipitated the known disappearances of twenty three men. Just disappeared. Twenty-three people, yeah, that went in disappeared and, and never came. Trying to find the mine, right? Now many others are likely have gone in the bush, unreported, unreported, and also never returned. But think about this: as I mentioned earlier, starvation, freezing temperatures, and inexperience. A lot of these guys they didn't know how to handle themselves out in the wild. So they
1: just went
0: into an area, yeah, that was rough, and tried to find a mine, right? Yeah, well, periodically strangers would turn up in the new, in town with a map, and two maps supposedly to lead to the gold, ore in existence, in Vancouver today, but the Lost Creek mine remains unclaimed, still not found. Today, yeah. Now, one of the most colorful of the characters to succumb to the gold bug was a guy named A. R. quote Volcanic Brown. That was his 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 for some uh, nickname, reason, for some Volcanic. Reason, for some reason, I just want to leave that alone. Yeah. Okay. He was known to have made four trips to the headwaters of the Pit River between the years 1932 and 1938. So not that's that, when you were born. Not quite. Oh. <laughs> On the third trip out, his toes were frozen, and to prevent gangrene from setting in, he cut them off with his pocket knife. Oh. So that was now when you want, want to talk about tough guys, Volcanic. Brown. One little piggy went to yeah. town. <laughs> and only four came home. <laughs> but, uh, you know, here's the thing, Zeb. He always brought out gold, and but he never filed a claim. Now, the fourth trip was his last. He was added to the list. He of, didn't have any toes. He didn't, and he, he ended up missing. Well, a search party sent in after him, came upon the remains of his camp, and buried under the snow were his few effects, including a shotgun, a small jar with a little bit of gold on it, but a volcanic himself, there was nothing. So Slumax's curse had claimed another guy. How many so,
1: people is this so far? Oh, I don't know,
0: about around 30 or so, <laughs> or more. Now, today, the search goes on. A new, Even today? Yeah, yeah, it's still out there. And they think they know the general area. Right. Yeah. Now, a newspaper man in Westminster, uh, his name was McClellan, he was a city editor of the uh, paper called the British Columbia. And he says the site of the mine was shown him by a friend. Now, get this, Seb, a friend of his, Wally Lund, who had the location revealed to him in a dream.
1: I'd be, a, I'd be a
0: little, <laughs> a little concerned skeptical. as to whether or not I should follow that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the common belief is that the gold is about 20 miles to the north of the Pitt River. Now, this Mr. McClellan feels that... B, the guy that Slumac shot originally. Don't go back and try to retrace all this. (laughs) Was killed because he was too close to the secret. Well, the side of the supposed mine is a cavern. Uh, The area is swampy. The cavern supposedly is on top of a 400 foot rock named Sheridan Hill. They've narrowed it down, they think. But again, this is just uh, hearsay.
1: Hasn't anybody today really organized a
0: search party? I don't think so. It's rough country. I don't, you know. But it's believed. Believed to have been uh, this cavern, like it must have been bored out by uh, volcanic activity or whatever. So it, it was some kind of a cave-type thing. That now here's another thing they think uh, that uh, Slumac the Indian, uh, had the to guy have, that got home. Right, okay. he had to have help in getting the gold out because it was kind of down into a cavern or a, a tunnel or a cave. So he would. Take these wives, and he would lower them down into the where the oh, gold was oh really, and they would bring it back up oh, and so uh, maybe that's where he buried them, well, who knows, yeah. But uh, evidently, the women never made it out. And, and again, that's just conjecture. But uh, So now at this moment... Uh,
1: How would you like to be a wife at the bottom of that great big pit, and you got to use a rope to haul
0: it up with a bucket, and you go, honey, pull it away, honey, honey! Where did you go? <laughs> okay, so now this comes from uh, True West Magazine. 1963, 1963. So here's what it says at the end of the story. It says, at this moment, at least two men are actively seeking the mine. The promise of $100 million will lure lure more adventurers into the Pit River Mountains. It is Indian legend that only he of Indian blood will claim Slumax gold, but regardless of race, People will try to find it.
1: Didn't everybody ever think about maybe not two going in, but maybe take about eight or ten, so you got somebody to watch your back. You know, come on.
0: But then again, you got to split that up with more guys. eh?
1: Well, splitting up a fortune is a lot better than staying with the fortune (laughs) and
0: being dead. Dead. That's unbelievable. And today they still can't find it. No, I mean that. This has been 1963, so 50 some years ago. So
1: you would think with all. All the technology today and all the GPS and all that kind of stuff that they could kind of pinpoint where this is. But
0: uh, a month or so ago, I told a story about a mine that uh, when they went back, an avalanche had covered it over.
1: Yeah, I remember that
0: one. So, you know, with with these mountains, I mean, landslides, avalanches uh, to where it may never be found. Uh, That, to me, makes more sense that with all the people who have gone in there, and maybe, like I said, the 23 that went in and never came out, maybe some of them found it but never made it out.
1: Oh, my goodness. So, Right here in our United States.
0: Well, no, British Columbia. Well, British Columbia.
1: <laughs> well, it's a it's a neighbor. It is. Okay. A good neighbor, yes. Yeah.
0: So that's Holy the story. Mac- of,
1: you know, I bet you there's a lot more stories like that.
0: I've, I have bought a magazine or got a magazine that's full of lost treasure stories. Really? And I, I will slowly bring those out every
1: once in a while. You know,
0: and then, you
1: know, like the old pirate. Rich ships, you know, and they—they they, yeah. all the doubloons and oh, yeah. everything in the bottom of the ocean.
0: Yeah, th- yeah. that's fascinating. Uh, see, what are those two islands off uh, down in off Texas? Uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, know, the two islands. Uh, can't recall, but they have found buried treasure from ships that sunk and somehow got washed up onto those islands. I can't yeah. remember the name of those yeah, islands.
1: All of a sudden, it let, not Galvan, oh, my goodness, my mind's gone. I know the islands you're yeah. referring to, yeah. yeah so. But you know, really, when you talk about history, and we mention this, and I've got about a minute left here, uh, history is so... What do I want to say? What's a good word? Because we're taking it as fact when really something. It's still vague. It's very vague. Yeah. Very vague.
0: I mean, to say, okay, it's over there near the Pitt River.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that quite could a big be, area.
0: you know, 20, yeah. 30 miles in a circle around that. Yeah. That's a lot of territory.
1: You know, when we had... Uh, what was the gentleman's name from back in uh, Missouri? We talked about the Little Bighorn.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, no, that hurts too because we had that all memorized. <laughs> we got to think about considering going back there next summer and oh, doing yeah. the program from the battlefield. Oh, yeah.
0: That would be That's wonderful. something
1: that our audience needs to know that we're considering. Lance. Lance uh, Durrell. Durrell, yes. And uh, we were thinking about going back there. He's going to help set us up and doing a program called into the station from the little uh, Bighorn Battlefield.
0: Right. And hopefully interviewing some of those people, the, their ancestors. The descendants. For... Right. Exactly. Yeah. The that
1: chiefs be... and all that. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Absolutely. It's quite a deal. I guess it's quite a gathering.
0: Yeah. And he said he might could get us some horses, so I'm going uh, to take, I'm, I'm take my saddle.
1: Uh, absolutely. It's going to be, I think, one of the most interesting things. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, uh, and we'll get a phone line, and we'll plug in and do the program from right there. That'll, that'll be wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. You did it again, Dr. History. And, uh, by the way, he's leaving right now to go to Vancouver, and he's got a <laughs> shovel in his back, and he's ready to go. <laughs> so <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, see you later, buddy. Thank you.